Hello guys, welcome back to Board Draw, episode number 64. And today... 64, 64, 64, Zulane. Watching. We are back and we have an absolute bumper packed episode. We had an 8-0, we had the North London derby, we had Man U versus Burnley. One of those doesn't fit in, but we're still going to talk about it anyway. It was an exciting weekend of football. And yeah, let's just get straight into it. We're going to talk about the uh, the centerpiece game of the weekend, the one that everyone had their eye on. For some reason, it was at two o'clock on a Sunday, not the four thirty. But um, we're yeah. talking obviously about Arsenal two two, Andrew Postecoglou Spurs. And, we were at the um, pub for this game, weren't we? Like, yeah, we were. And I had a great time. I had a really good time watching this. Sat there with a nice little beer, watching Roz. Roller coaster of emotions, to yeah, say the least. Just go through the motions, yeah. Um, give me your kind of neutral take on the game. I thought it was, it was an exciting game. It was two teams who played to the occasion. There were a lot of mistakes in the game, but I think that comes with the sort of centerpiece that is the North London derby. Um, but I thought we saw two teams who went out and played the football that they wanted to play. I think Spurs did it better. I think Spurs put on a, like probably one of their best shows of the season. Um, and I was very impressed with them. I thought tactically they got it spot on. I think individually there was a few mistakes. I thought um, Saar in the middle had a very up and down game. There were points where he was searching through the midfield looking excellent. And then there was points where I was like, you're so far out of position. I don't know what you're doing on the pitch. Mm. Like I don't really know. There was obviously a lot of controversy as well. We had... Um, Initially, Son scoring. That was definitely offside. Um, the Cristiano Romero handball. That's a topic of debate we can talk about. Um, and then, what was the other big thing that happened? Um, Jorginho losing the ball on the Jorginho. Wasn't there another? Oh, Eddie Nketiah. Clark and Vicario, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, starting the game, I thought Arsenal dominated for pretty much the entire first half. Uh, as to be expected, I think, with the North London derby um, at the Emirates. But... For me, Saka was the man of the, the moment in the first half. He was the one that everything was happening through. I thought um, Basuma and Adogi started a bit slow and they went on to be two of the best players in the game. But that first 10, 15 minutes, I thought Arsenal's press really put those two under pressure. Mm. We saw Vicario um, dispersing the ball unsavourily. Yeah, he had a few kind of squeaky bum time moments. We saw James Madison get dispossessed on the edge of the box and uh, Gabriel Jesus scored, uh, sorry, skied it. Yeah. Um, just to rub that one in. But yeah, there were moments where I thought Arsenal lost their composure in front of goal. Where I think on a different day, they would have put them all to bed and that would yeah. have been it. But um, both keepers as well had a fantastic game. I thought Vicario and uh, David Raya and the Arsenal goal had a fantastic game. Some outrageous saves. But um, yeah, let's talk about that first goal in. Bakayo Saka cuts inside and Romero sticks out a wanting leg. Very lazy leg. It's, it's, the right, it's the right decision to make, in my opinion. He needs to put out a foot there, but he's too late on it and it comes off his knee and then the keeper's got no chance. It's lazy. I think either get your whole body in front of it or if you know it's just a lazy leg, Put your faith in the goalkeeper. Surely, though, the real question has to be asked of how Bukayo Saka had so much time. Yeah. He, he had an eternity before he even had to take the shot. And you know exactly what he wants to do. Yeah, you, know you can't keep showing him in. He's not effort. like Antonio where he can only cut inside. Mm. But he, that's what he wants to do. Yeah. He really wants to cut in and curl it to that far that far corner. Um, so, 
the fact that he was allowed to be shown onto his left foot and there was no one in there to block him, it was it was strange to me because I thought if you're going to double up on anyone, it's probably him or Martin Odegaard. Yeah, Martin Odegaard is someone as well who I want to talk about. Who I think he he, he fell off this game. He ghosted. Yeah, but, he started well and then second half. And I think you can't look too much into individual performances because I think the whole team that second half just fell flat. Yeah, in my opinion this game wasn't filled with a lot of quality I think there are a couple of players that had moments of quality like Saka a couple of moments of quality Madison a couple of moments of quality Son a couple of moments of quality but all in all I think it was just two mistake filled teams this game and I don't think the quality was great and I think what it led to was kind of like a stalemate in terms of both teams were just not at their best level. And I think because Arsenal, in my opinion, our ceiling is a lot higher than Spurs is at the moment, it looks like our drop-off is bigger, which it is because we have a higher ceiling. So say we drop a 4 out of 10. But you're playing at an 8 out of 10. And they drop a 6 out of 10. Our 4 out of 10 might be their 6 out of 10 because our ceiling is so much higher. And so I think that's kind of where we're at. We looked like the worst team on the day and we probably were the worst team on the day. But I don't think there was much in terms of like I don't think Spurs blew us out of the water. I thought they were decent. I liked what they did in terms of weren't scared to play out from the back. Players like Basuma, players like Mickey Van der Ven, very really good, good at playing it out from the back. And I think with Arsenal's high press, it's easy to like shit yourself and hoof it long. And that happened a couple of times. But in the Everton game, that's all they did. They just constantly hoofed it long. We regain possession, we suffocate you. So occasionally you have to be brave you have to play out from the back you have to sucker us in and go around us and people like Basuma who I think like you said started a bit slow but in the second half when we dropped off he like went to another yeah he went to another level and started controlling the game so let's before we move on to sort of talk about the the, everything surrounding sort of what this game means but the Kyle Saka puts away the penalty um, sorry uh, the deflected goal mm-hmm. and then Spurs go up the other end yep well he turns Bukayo Saka Madison turns Bukayo yeah you see they're having a little bit of afters about uh, the darts yeah you love to see it I love Bukayo Saka rinsing everyone's celebrations but he is meant to be the golden boy and I don't want him to ruin his kind of little angel persona yeah, but maybe he is trying to kind of get out of that angel persona be and be like, "I'm a ruthless. big man." Yeah, I'll, I'll back it. But for me, he's got to do better there. Oh yeah, he's I, got I, I don't spun. think he expected Madison to turn. He expected no. Madison to recycle back to. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a doggy. He just over committed to the recycling back and completely allowed him to turn. And it was a brilliant move by Madison. Yeah, good. Uh, and he found Son who. It was an exquisite finish just off the outside, uh, the inside of his foot, and across yeah, the goal. And that was like just after David Ryan made that like mental save, C- crazy, crazy save. So but, yeah, um, good. Yeah, and then you go into half time and it's one all. I and- said to you, I said to you at the pub as well. I was when we were one 0 up. I was like, we were in the ascendancy, and I was like, we need a second, he we need a third. Could have had that with Gabriel yeah, Jesus. Yeah, and I was like, no way can we go into this half time one all. And then they scored just before half time, and I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, it led to a long fifteen minutes, mm. um, where I think a lot of people who would have, I mean, Spurs would probably be more than happy to go in at one all. Oh but yeah, for Arsenal, that's just like right. We need to regain control of this game now. We've let it slip at one, but it's start from the second half. It's nil nil. We've mm. got to continue continue and start how we did the first half 
but it never really got out of gear. There were it was moments where Spurs were in charge, there were moments where Arsenal were in charge, but there was no one who really stamped their authority in the second half of the game. Mm. If anything, it was more Spurs. Yeah, but, yeah, hundred percent. Um, second half kicks off, and then we have two key things: Declan Rice going oh. off injured, and Fabio Vieira for Havertz. But that's like neither here nor there. They both didn't really offer much in the game. But the Declan Rice to Jorginho swap. I think some people at first thought it was tactical. It's come out now that he had a back injury, so can't really do much about it. But that, for me, was a turning point in the game. Be interesting to see. Declan Rice, uh, he just goes under the radar. Like Jamie said on the latest podcast, check it out if you haven't seen it. Declan Rice is the biggest 8 or 9 out of 10 a game player. He will just go under the radar. But anytime we lose the ball, he's there. He'll sweep up. He'll keep the game ticking. He'll marshal. And yeah, to lose him in a game of this magnitude when it is 1-1. Sorry, I've got... Um, Nervous hands. ADHD hands. But um, yeah, to lose him in a game of this magnitude at half-time when we should have been going in in the lead and we were like going in equal um, one all when it's we massive. shouldn't have. Yeah, it's massive to lose him. You and lose I think so that's, much control yeah, it's a turning of the game. Point for me. Right? Especially in a game where you're not going to have 90% of the ball. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He He's there to sweep up those passes, to block the channels, where Jorginho doesn't do that as much. Yeah. He's very good if you have the majority of the yeah, ball yeah, for the long periods of the time. But um, it'd be interesting to see how, obviously, Rodri got, uh, Rodri? Rodri got a red Rodri. card at... Um, Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest on the weekend, which would mean he'll be suspended for the Arsenal game in October. Declan Rice back injury, though. Well, yeah, I've got a note here that we actually have a bit of a mini injury crisis. I don't want to, like, read too much inju- into it because every team has injuries. You see Man United fans moaning about it. You see Chelsea fans moaning about it. I don't want to be another set of fans moaning about it. But we've got pretty crucial injuries across the team at the moment. Timba, who's out for the most of the season, he was definitely set in to be one of our first names on the team sheet defensively. To lose Thomas Partey and Declan Rice, that completely throws our midfield out of whack at the moment. To lose one of them would be fine. Like, we lost Partey, but Rice is still there. You can manage if you lose Rice, but Partey's still there. Go back to like we were last season, it's fine. To lose both of them, that is a bit of a sticky situation. And left then wing, left wing, we lost Trossard and Martinelli in the same game week, which is not ideal. So Two players who I think potentially both would have started this game. So yeah, 100%. So we've got a little bit of an injury crisis in terms of first eleven. We've got a lot of players out. And um, there's something that Arteta's got to deal with. I think it brings into call kind of like our depth. We've improved our depth in the summer window, but it puts was a lot it, of pressure on the these. Right places, yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on these guys coming in like Fabio Vieira, like Havertz, like Reece Nelson. Eddie Reese. These players need to Emil. start stepping up. Yeah, for me, it'd be interesting to see who's the bigger loss then, Rodri or Declan Rice. Rodri mm. to City. Obviously, Rodri probably one of the top three midfielders in the world at the minute. News coming out is that Rice should be back for... Apparently, I don't touch wood, a lot of our injuries should be... Apart from Timber, I think most of our injuries should be back for the City game. I think Trossard, Martinelli, Rice, and apparently Thomas Partey's ahead of schedule. Then so they could all be back for the City game, which would be, be huge. Um, let's talk about the second half yeah. a little bit more. We saw a controversial penalty decision go against Spurs and a Christian Romero... Um, obviously your point of view is going to be quite shaded in red but it's a pen from an outside perspective I think 
it's it it does seem harsh, but it is the right decision. If if his hand isn't there, it's going in the goal. Yeah, and then Man United fans are complaining about the Spurs versus Man United when Bruno hit it and Romero had his hand up. I think that's a pen as well. Yeah, but the problem is, obviously, we've spoke about VAR at lengths and PGMOL, mm. but there's no consistency here amongst the decision-making. I saw earlier on Sky, what's his name? The, Dermot Gallagher. Yeah, he was talking about Big how nuts. he's lucky... It's, Romero's lucky that Basuma was behind him, otherwise it would have been a straight red. Mm. But that would have been serious. surely it's double jeopardy. I would have got that right. Is, that not, is it not Romero. double jeopardy at that point? Fuck knows. Isn't that what won the rules? Yeah. So how is he saying that on national TV, bro? Is he? Is he? Is he? Is have he, they got rid of the double jeopardy rule? I don't know. Is he a clown? He is a clown. Um, but yeah. So for me, I thought it was harsh. It, it, it's, it's sort of fortunate Ben White like hits it into the ground a little bit, so it's like takes a, it bounces and then up. Mm. But like you say, if it go, if, it, if Romero's hand's not there, it's going in. So for me, a penalty probably is a fair decision, but it does take into account like maybe we do have to revisit the rules yet again and say, look, mm. proximity there. What's he meant to do? His arms clearly out to balance him. He's not he's not using his arm intentionally to block the ball. But are we going to go back to the rule where it's any contact with the arm is in the box? Is it going to be subjective? It, it's too difficult to say. And it's a for me. Decision. I go back to the silhouette rule. It's not in his silhouette. Even if it is to balance him. Yeah, but is the silhouette then no arms? No, the silhouette is arms, but they can't be like here. Yeah, but he's coming from up here to down there. What do you mean he's coming from up here? He's not fucking jumped in like Superman. No, but he, he's like he's like jumping down, isn't he? So he's like falling. Yeah, it? but you don't need to be doing this. In the box. In the six-yard box, it's if you do this. arm, because he's count- it's like, that's balanced. If you're doing this in the six-yard box, you're asking for trouble. Let us know down below. Is it harsh? Is it a penalty? Is it not? Um, but yeah, then obviously, Bakayo steps up, puts that away, nice which is uh, good to see him putting away penalties because uh, we... I was nervous. I get nervous every time yeah. I watch him take a penalty. Then about, what was it? Like 50 seconds later. 50 seconds later, Son again. Did you uh, like Arsenal just switching off after they score? Uh, that wasn't even switching off. That was just Jorginho. Oh, you see, like the worst part about it was like um, a couple of days before he put a Instagram picture up of Saka and him in training, and Saka was trying to tackle him, and Jorginho captioned it, "Don't ever press the maestro." And then two days later, he got pressed, loses it, and we uh, can see the goal. So that was an L. But yeah, I think it was just him switching off. Probably like a lack of match fitness, um, coupled with like. I don't know, just being a dunce. Just not up to the tempo of the game. Yeah, like so that, it? it was unfortunate. And um, But yeah. The, good uh, play from Madison and so on. The only other thing I really want to talk about is Eddie Nketiah's tackle on Vicario. For me, I think it's a red card. Yeah, it's I'd, reckless. It, it's reckless. It's late. It's dangerous. I don't think he has any right to go for the ball there as hard as he does. Like, if if he goes there and he and he's stays on his feet and he mm. tries to block the ball... Or tackle the keeper like straight up. That's fine, but he's lunged in there, mm-hmm. studs up as well, and it's and it's late. The keeper is in clear possession of the ball. It's not like he took a loose touch or anything. Mm. It, for me, that's a straight red card. I, I don't I, I don't see any way around. I think you've gotten away with one there. Yeah, I back it. I think it was reckless. And talking of uh, Arsenal strikers, we are currently linked to one Ivan Tony. I think you need him badly. There's a lot of talks about us and Chelsea being the top two. Um, yeah. Do Arsenal need an elite striker to challenge this season? I think you, Chelsea and Tottenham are all gagging for him. 
Yeah. I, I, I can't see... I, I it's going. Brentford are going to be loving this because they're going to get like 80 million for him. Yeah, apparently they're willing to listen to offers of 60. Yeah, but I mean, if, if you, Chelsea and Spurs are in for him... Nice little bid and war. Spurs will dip out at 59. Yeah. And then, yeah, it'll be you and Chelsea and you'll end up at Chelsea. But yeah, I think we do need, like we saw with that chance that Gabriel Jesus has. And that is obviously one of those where it's like, you could go either way. But in a game he, of this he, magnitude, you need to be putting those away. He is too good though. He is Gabriel good. Jesus is insane. So, I don't understand. I, maybe he took Jesus off because um, he's still getting back to full fitness. Mm. But for me, you've got to keep him on the pitch, especially in yeah, the North yeah. London derby. He's the one that's going to either create something or turn up at the right yeah, spot. He to brings score chaos, mate. Eddie Kettier, uh... I, I, I want him to succeed. And it, it was great when he had that like golden purple patch last season because he it was like, oh, we're getting vindicated now for, for what we've sort of seen all along. But he's just not it. And I, I'm tired now. I, I I don't. I never. I can't see him ever being a 20 goal a season striker. No, ever. I, I can't see him being a 15 goal a season striker. I can see him being a 15. I think for me, he there's just a different level of pressure and expectation when you play for a top six club. I don't especially think his IQ's there. And especially, oh, I think his IQ's there. I think it's just the pressure and expectation of a top six club is huge, and then a, a top six club pushing for the title. You need a 20... You're competing with Erling Haaland. You were competing with Harry Kane. You're competing with Mo Salah. These guys get 30 in their sleep. So to compete with these guys and get your team title challenging, you need to be a 20, 30 goal a season guy. And I don't think Eddie is. I think Gabriel Jesus, probably 20 at a push. We need like a 30. And I, I'm not saying Ivan Tony is that guy, but he might be that guy a little bit more than those two. Yeah, I'm going to say... Um... I think Martin Odegaard, I don't know whether he's... I was, I've been really unimpressed with him this season. Really. Luke read one thread. No, no, on... I didn't even read the thread, man. I just Fuck none the wing. Um, Guys, no, dunce. I, I don't know. Like For me, I think he might be a victim of the system. because I think... Or is the system a victim of him? Well, that's what the guy was. That's what the guy was. I think that's what you're trying to say. No, I, I don't think I, I. He's clearly a very good footballer. He was outrageous last season. He just got a new contract, so I think he's, he's playing not a weird role, though. Mm. Like, I don't think he's central enough to the system. I think all your best play comes out of going wide to Saka. Yeah, and so how do you then change it up so that Odegaard is in positions that he can influence from that? Because I don't think he's getting tight enough to Saka to play the one twos enough. I think he is. I don't think it's happening. It's not consistent. And then that is counteractive with you wanting Saka to cut in on the left. Like, how do you then... So then, if Saka cuts in, Odegaard's got to drop or push up wide to bring the player with him to create the space, but it's not happening enough. Mm. You never really see Odegaard far out on the wi- on, uh, wide on the right. I think he's better. His best position is centrally. Mm. So the question is, do you need sort of like a more fluid midfield two where you can have maybe him and Smith Rowe and they can like move about and th- and sort of play as two number 10s. Shout out Enio Luko. Um, is it Enio Luko said that? Maybe someone said it. Um, was Who's the uh, the big centre-back? No. Jill. Jill Scott. Jill Scott said it. And Jermaine Defoe was like... But she has a point. Two 10s, you can't like... In some systems, it does work. You have to have this fluidity, I think. Because mm. you have to... O- Odegaard... He's so he's so good at reading the game, but I think he's yeah. I just don't think he's been played to his strengths enough. I don't know. It, it, I'm waffling a bit. Here. Sound a little bit like none the wing here, mate. 
Guy's but got can an you, agenda. Can you like agree with me? Yeah, that his just is he playing as good as he was last season? I, I don't think anyone in the team is. Is it a victim of the system? I think it's a victim of new players. I think it's a victim of injuries. I think it's a victim of we were overperforming last season. Definitely. So it's a victim of all of that. We're slightly underperforming now, but when you go from under uh, overperforming to underperforming, it's a bigger drop than going from like standardly performing to underperforming. I'll put together an argument to under. for, for the future where I, uh, to back up my points. At a minute, it's just the uh, the eye test. It's not working for me, Odegaard. I want it to work, but um, but yeah, let's talk quickly about Andrew Postecoglou's Spurs. Yeah, um, this result he's doing it's something. Sort of, it could be throwing a bit of uh, Arsenal to the furnace right now. I, I, like a bit of the fan base is uh, getting a bit Lost carried their away. Head, mate. Arteta, right? He's not the one to take us any further. Th- you got to chill out a bit, mate. To be fair, they're, I haven't seen clearly, much of that. But... They're clearly on a massive high at the minute. They brought in a manager at the beginning of the season and it's just worked. It's worked, it's worked. But it's not been smooth sailing. They've literally had to wait until like the 95th minute to beat Sheffield United, bro, who got bashed 8-0 by Newcastle. Yeah. Newcastle who played midweek in a hard game against AC Milan. So like you're telling me that this team are just like flying and I think they're living off the high of Well, that's what I was saying earlier when I, don't, when I said I don't think either team was that great. I don't think either team was that bad. I think... Arsenal were overreacting, thinking we were too bad, and Spurs are overreacting, thinking they were too good. And I think it's just every, both fan bases need to calm down. I really like what Ange is doing. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's keeping everyone very calm, even if like the fan base is getting a bit carried away. But he's also letting them get carried away. Those Enjoy those it. players are just taking it game by game. If they're struggling in a game, they'll keep it calm. In the not uh, not not the Sheffield United game. Keep it calm. It'll come. In the Arsenal game, 1-0 uh, down, get it back to 1-0. 2-1 down, get it back to 2-0. Keep it calm. He's he's very good at managing situations. And I think that's because he's been in the game a long time. I think he's, he's got experienced like a 20-year like career. So. He's experienced so many different types of football that he just he's obviously got a massive... like big brain on it yeah right. yeah he's experienced he, know, he knows how to manage situations it's easy to say because he hasn't been in the Premier League before that yeah. he won't be able to do it but you got to forget like football exists outside the Premier League it does but and I saw Flav all... I'm coming for you Flav he said managing Brisbane Raw is as hard as a Premier League team and I get everything is relative Brisbane Raw have problems that Premier League teams won't face Premier League teams will have problems that Brisbane Raw won't face but the Premier League Rel- the elite level. Relativity only comes in to a certain level. And then you've got to talk about eyes on it. You've got to talk about money on it. You've got to talk about just level of competition. You've got to talk about... The egos you've got to manage. Egos. You've got to talk about, like, any, like, um, fucking repercussions of actions. You've got to talk about just everything at this level. is so much more demanding. So I don't agree that managing Brisbane Raw um, is the same level as the Premier League. But I do get the like sentiment that the he's gist, had the gist of what he's saying is there it, yeah he's, he, he's got a have. good kind of experience level behind him but yeah he's yeah he's doing good things I think everyone's getting a little bit carried away with Spurs and I think that is just solely down to not Maybe even the really likeable yeah it's not even down to the Spurs results it's just because and just stupidly likeable I think as well I look at that team and I looked at their bench and you've got I thought Brennan Johnson was excellent thought he was really good and it, it was weird seeing him out on the left where he's played out wide on the right for Forrest mm. but I thought he did a really good job he wasn't being asked to track back which was interesting because I thought Adogi was very capable at handling Saka especially in the second half 
But um, that first 50 minutes, I do think maybe he needs a bit of help there. But I think Adogi going forward as well is really impressive. I think that could be a really dangerous link up in the future if they can sort of get that balance quite right. Um, but yeah, I looked at the bench and the only two players that I thought could come on and actually change anything were Richarlison and Solomon. I thought Solomon mm. was all right when he came on. Richarlison didn't really get didn't any dog. time to do anything. Yeah. Um, he had a couple spin shots on the edge of the box. Didn't really trouble anything. Um, but for me, they're, they're fortunate that they haven't really got um, European competition this year. Mm. Because if they did, that bench would not yeah, suffice. Yeah, the squad is a little bit thin. Um, but yeah, I think ben, when Bentancourt comes back, it'd be really interesting to see maybe midfield three of Bentancourt, Pesuma and Madison. Yeah. I think that could really pay dividends for them. I think that could be a top, top midfield in the Premier League. But um, yeah, I, I think they're, they're flying at the minute and time will tell. The big test will be when they hit a bumpy patch yeah. and how they manage that because we know how things can turn very quickly in the yeah. Premier League. I think my take-homes are Arsenal fans, calm down. We weren't that bad. And Spurs fans, calm down. You weren't that good. I think, yeah, or I agree with around. that. I think, well, they were good. They were the better team. Yeah, yeah, they were the better team. But, but I think also you need to look at it and think, their play, this is probably the one of the worst times to play Spurs and one of the best times to play Arsenal. I mean, you've and during the game, you lost Declan Rice after losing Martinelli and Trossard before that, after losing Timber, after losing Party. Mm. That's five key players Spurs I mean I know that they haven't got their full 11 yet or you know but it was pretty much so um, but yeah and they're obviously on a massive high at the minute after just winning every game but yeah um, it'd be interesting to see who finishes above who Arsenal finish above Spurs yeah boy although I'm starting to regret the Arsenal to win the league shout yeah, maybe second do you reckon City are too fucked Liverpool looking good as well mate nah I don't know that Liverpool defence is Cheeky. Um, let's move on to another game. We talked about some game that had eight goals, eight different goal scorers. Yeah. Luke I haven't got Arsenal. many notes beyond eight goals, eight different goal scorers. Yeah. It, it was Newcastle's performance against AC Milan. I thought they were... Under un- the cosh. Yeah. Milan were heavily dominant and they Newcastle would be very grateful to come out of that with mm. a draw. Um, yeah, but it was a good draw. It's a very good draw. You'd they absolutely take it, yeah. And Paul Heckenbottom's side, I I feel I feel that it's them, Luton, and maybe to a lesser extent Burnley. Yeah, they're in a different league. Yeah, well, it's very much what you said about like how did Spurs go to Sheffield United and struggle to get a win two one in the hundredth minute, and then Newcastle a couple of weeks later go to Sheffield United fresh off of a Champions League hundred minute. Tr- um, match against AC Milan that's where they were under match, the cosh yeah. the whole game um, and then go pipe Sheffield United 8-0 like what is the standard here like how are Sheffield United not clocking on to Newcastle playing midweek and how big a game that was how are they shipping 8 we sort of saw it last year with uh, with Bournemouth as well like Liverpool mm. I think Liverpool beat I think they smashed Rangers with like five goals or something and then they went and drew against someone and then like a really poor performance then they went and smashed Bournemouth didn't they Mm. I just think the lower teams in the league they don't have the depth to be able to that that game against Spurs for Sheffield United would have taken the wind out of them Mm. massively massively not just mentally but physically as well they were fighting two for Nell to hold on to that 1-0 to come back with nothing 
gutted. Uh, that's uh, that's horrific. Um, and I think I think they know that they're in for a really long season and it's not going to get good anytime soon. Yeah, they're and stuck at the heck. They go. What was league. it like three nil down within sort of like not long, fifteen minutes or something. It, it's just. And Newcastle, they've just got a plethora of talent. Once, like eight different goal scorers is tapped. Once they get going as well, Newcastle, there's just nothing that you can do. You, and Sheffield United do not have the quality to be able to tactically change things off the mm. bench to stop this happening. I saw Callum Wilson say that like at 3-0, he kind of noticed that they just weren't changing how they were playing. They were just still so open. And it's like, as a newly promoted side, goal difference makes a, a lot of difference at the bottom of the league. Yeah. Can't be shipping eight. If you're 3-0 down and you're playing openly, fucking tighten up, mate. I Don't mean, just let them run riot. I think, like, yeah, literally, if you get to 3-0 down within the first half, chances are you're not coming back. Nope. And if you're going to come back, you still need to tighten up the defence. If you're if you're in the Premier League, you should have the capability to tighten up and not concede more than another, like, goal or two. Yeah. Like, that should be the be all end of it. Or maybe unless you're playing, like, Man City or something. Relegated Newcastle, not Newcastle are a good team, but they're yeah. not a Man City. They're not going to be able to pull you apart the same way that like, City would. But, yeah, it, it just it went... and it, It's not good enough, The writing's on the wall for Paul Heckenbottom for me. Yeah. I don't know who they get in. I don't... No one can say... Who's going to want to go there? No, it's just... Yeah, that is a kind of... Not poison chalice, but they've got, like... Win. Poor... Um, finances, poor owner, like vibe. They lost their best player in Indy in the summer. The this, squad just isn't a I Premier like League Gustavo level Hamer. squad. I thought he was a good addition. Yeah. Cameron Arch is good, but it's not. It's not going to keep you in the Premier League. Nope. And yeah, like you say, maybe relegate him now, save him the trouble. But for me, them and Luton are in big trouble. I mean, Luton getting a point at um, they should have fucking won though. Wolves were playing with uh, 10 men for pretty much the entire game. But then the, the penalty as well was dubious. Yeah, so I backed uh, Luton to not beat Derby's point record. And um, that game, I was like watching it and I was like, if you can't beat a 10-man Wolves who are like probably like relegation contenders with you and you're getting outplayed by 10-man Wolves, it's not good. Yeah, I, I, I struggled to see how this gets any better for these relegated teams. But Burnley, who we'll move on to talk about now, they had a fairly decent showing against a, a, a weird Man United team where Johnny Evans sort of ran the show. Yeah, I'm more confident in Burnley than I am Luton and Sheffield United, and I think that's fair enough. They've got more quality Yeah, they've got squad. more quality around the squad. And uh, But in this game, I saw them outplay Man United. I've said this multiple times on the podcast. I'm not set on Ten Hag. I haven't seen May United dominate a game of football since that Newcastle, what was it, Carabao Cup final. Since that game, I haven't seen them dominate a game of football. I've seen them be good in spells. They were good in spells in the Arsenal game. They were good in spells in the Bayern Munich game. But I haven't seen them. And that's fine. Those games, you're playing elite level competition. Against the smaller, lesser sides, no disrespect to Burnley, how are you on 29% possession against Burnley. Man United should be on 60-70% possession against a team like Burnley. Especially with an Ajax, an ex-Ajax manager that plays possession-based football that... You brought in a keeper to build up through the back. How are you conceding possession this much to a team that you should be dominating? Yes, you got the 1-0 result and I saw Man United fans buzzing with that. Bruno Fernandes giving Johnny Evans the man of the match. I like that. That's cute it was vibes. a good finish from uh, Bruno as oh, well. Oh, fucking outrageous finish. 
Johnny Evans, nice little pinger, mate. But there's deep, like, if you're happy with that and you look at that just surface level, the football isn't for you, mate. You've got to look deeper. That is just not it, mate. I'd be worried about that. I, I said this on the podcast with Jamie. I think we need, well, you, you won't give a shit, but I think time will tell with my United. Never give a once, shit. once we see them with their full strength 11, when they get Lissandro Martinez back fit, when Varane's fully fit again, Luke when Shaw. Luke Shaw's yeah. back, um, when Sofian Amrabat's fully integrated, perhaps, uh, Mason Mount as well, mm. maybe if Anthony ever comes back, if Jadis Sancho can get back into the team, I don't know. But for me, there, there is passages of play are good. I see it, but it's not consistent enough. And you have to, you can't play for the moments, you have to play for the game. If you're going to Burnley and you're struggling to hold on to the ball, it's I don't know what you could do. I think the the fact that Johnny Evans was their best player says yeah that says everything. everything yeah hundred percent. Um, Man United should have enough enough depth to manage a game against Burnley with injury issues. They didn't they didn't create enough chances for a team that had Bruno Gim, uh, sorry, Bruno Fernandes. Uh, Marcus Rashford, Rashmus Hoyland, yeah. didn't create enough chances for me. I, I I worry about Bruno Fernandes. I think he's quality, but for me, he's dropping too deep at the moment. And I don't know if that's because that's because they've just got no players yeah. that can do the build up. Fair enough. But and then when they get to the he is finish, their most decisive player in the final third. Well, Marcus Rashford just decides to take every shot. Yeah, Marcus Rashford's a problem. We can talk about him next. But yeah, Bruno Fernandes is, in my opinion, their most decisive final third player. And he's nowhere near the final third anymore. Apart from that one run where he went from literally the defensive third to the final third in one run and caught the Johnny Evans um, pass. Apart from that, he's just not in the final third anymore. And that's a problem for Man United because he is their final third player. I don't see Odegaard doing that. What the kind of running? I I just I think Bruno Fernandes is better than Odegaard. Nah, I disagree. We don't we don't play kind of long ball football. We yes. don't play hoofball. Yeah, I, we're better than that. I just think Bruno, <laughs> I think Bruno Fernandes is disrespected a lot. No, I think he is disrespected, but he doesn't help himself. No, he, he the fact that he acts like a rat. He acts like a rat. He does ghost. I'm not saying Odegaard doesn't ghost. No, yeah, yeah. But Bruno Fernandes ghosts and. Obviously, he's in the team. To be, that's to not be honest, though, for me, you say that, but against Bayern Munich, I think he was one of the few players that actually stepped up, mm. especially when they went, was it 3-1 down? Yeah. He, he's banged that free kick in. He was the only one really like trying to run the show in that game for me. Yeah. And I think that if he can do it consistently in big games, then maybe we'll change that opinion. But yeah, yeah. I agree with you for the most part. He does go missing in big games. But yeah, I, I think he is disrespected, but I think he needs to take initiative more. He shouldn't even if he needs to come short to play out from the back, trust someone else to get involved as well. He needs to be in the final third because you win and lose games in the final third and he is the guy. Like As much as Rashford's okay, he does my nutting. Bruno Fernandes is so decisive in the final third and you need him there. For me, Marcus Rashford, we talk about him now, He is it's problematic. I, I know what he wants to do and he is, he's such a good player, but he needs to look up he needs to he needs to be switched on he needs to play with the team he, he what he was doing in that game was detrimental yeah. to everyone around him and i don't want to keep likening the, it to arsenal players but that's why i never entertain the discussion him versus saka cuz saka 8 9 times out of 10 will make the correct decision rashford 
genuinely about two or three times out of ten. Yeah, it, he always looks for the shot. Yeah, and I respect it to an extent, but then it becomes like he if it comes off, great. No one's going to say anything about it. No, you get, get all the yeah, 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 exactly. But he's taken. There's like four Burnley players between him and the goal. And he's instead of playing it out wide, he's trying to create space for him to take the shot. If you're 4-0 up against Burnley, fair Fine. enough, do that. But if you're 0-0 or you're winning 1-0 and you need another goal to kind of settle the nerves, fucking use your head, mate. Stop fucking taking 30-yard pop shots. There's a reason as play well. Like, we never see him like smashing assists. All, like, has he ever broken 10 assists in a season? God knows. Like, he needs to realise he can't just eat... He's no longer going to be able to run through four players and score every mm. game. Like he can do that when he hits his purple patches. Yeah. And I'm not saying that he can't attempt to do it. But if you're trying to do that four or five times a game, and You'd like say it's one nil or nil nil, you, you you're in the wrong sport, mate. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And I want him to do well. Go to Saudi, mate. There you can fucking run through the entire defense. But but it's, he he offers something a lot different to a player like Saka. His sort of, but his goals output doesn't suggest that. They're very similar goals output, exactly. but Saka will triple his assists. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't really have more to say on Marcus Rashford. But yeah, May United for me, good result to kind of settle because it was three losses in a row. And that's not ideal at any team, but especially not May United. So settle the nerves, get a good little 1 0. That's good, but steady your horses, mate, because there is. Still wobbly times ahead, I'd say. Yeah, we've got to give him a little bit of time. I think once we see once we see that full lineup, I think then we can really truly judge them for how far they came, they've come. Um, let's quickly before we wrap up talk about Everton. We spoke about the bottom three at the minute of Burnley, Sheffield United, and Luton. I think Everton are clear. Yeah, I don't know. It was a weird one because I had this as a Brentford slapping, mate. I looked at how Brent uh, how Arsenal versus Everton went. And I said earlier, they just played hoofball. Jordan Pickford would just hoof it long. We've got big centre-backs. We'll just win the first duel and then recycle possession and pressure. And we'd just suffocate them. And that's what we did. And I'm not saying that Brentford are a similar level to us, but I thought Brentford would have the beating of Everton. But they didn't. This is a bit of a Sean Dyche masterclass, which they pop up every now and again. Yeah, Abdullah Decore was, for me, outrageous. Very and good. I think we've seen it before as well. He's, he's playing a much more advanced role than... Yeah. I think he did it for a time, maybe under... Yeah. Maybe before, he's been used Lampard, to playing maybe. kind of in a midfield double with either Onana or him and Gay. But now he's been given the kind of advanced role and Gay and Onana are behind him. He's too powerful. He's and that, too quick. Yeah, that midfield three is nice. I, I think Onana's quality. I think Decore's quality. I think Gay could be improved upon, but that is what it is. But yeah, that midfield three is just robust. It's legs. And Decore, we've seen throughout his career, his time at Watford, then his time at Everton, he gets goals. He knows how to arrive late in the box, arrive, uh, make the right runs. So yeah, I think Decore putting him in that advanced role is smart because he makes good runs. It's just, defensively, I'm still a little bit worried about Everton, but if you can get that uh, Calvert-Lewin backfiring, I like that. He scored a good goal. I like Beto. I think he does a lot of work for the team. He's a workhorse, isn't he? Yeah, he doesn't really get on the score sheet much, but if he starts getting goals to like match his work rate, I like that. But yeah, defensively, still a little bit wobbly, but... Yeah, I think they're, as a squad, clear of the other guys that we've talked about. Yeah, it was much improved from their previous performances. I feel like they were lucky to sort of score early on. 
because I think that gave them the confidence to carry on. I think if yeah, they missed true. that chance or that it had gone 10, 15 minutes without scoring, the yeah. game, the outlet, the outlay, the outlay of the game becomes different. They, they've mm. been struggling for goals all season. Yeah. Um, and to score three in one game is testament to sort of how they push through. I think, like you say, I think they're clear. Burnley, uh, Luton, Sheffield United. I think maybe Burnley could give them some trouble, but I don't see how this team can't go and, and stay, yeah, stay th- really clear of these I two. think they'll struggle against bigger teams, but they should be able to outmuscle some of the smaller teams. In and the then, league. like you say, they've got Sean Dyche, though, and the masterclasses do pop up, so I wouldn't be surprised if they, they managed to nab a draw or even a, three points from a, a bigger team. Although, have you seen... So, apparently, so they've got new owners now. and um, confirmed 777? Yeah, I think so. And apparently, like, they... Some players might have to leave. I don't know how or why to to like kind of make the, the owners come in. Apparently, there's talks like Onana and Jordan Pickford leaving, so that could be a palaver. And then, like Jamie mentioned in the podcast, if the new owners come in and they feel like the need to switch Revamp, from yeah. switch from Sean Dice, so could be t- uh, turmoil ahead. But I don't know. Just keep calm. For me, the one thing they need is consistency. Yeah, and Sean but they're not the in a position at the minute where they're going to get that, especially yeah. with the takeover. So, yeah, it could be interesting. Let us know down below who out of Everton, Wolves, Sheffield United, Burnley, yeah. Luton are going to go down. Because yeah, let us know. Yeah, you're free to go down because it's, 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 it's a little mixing pot down there. But um, yeah, it's been interesting. It was a good weekend of football. It was. But I feel like I have more questions than answers coming out of it. Yeah, I agree. It's Our uh, Arsenal was good. Are they going to challenge? Are Spurs overrated, underrated? Are Liverpool that good? Like, they, they haven't lost in, I think, 19 games. Longest but win, winning run. The every game I watch, they're conceding about 45 shots. So... Yeah. There's lots going on. And then Man City are just too good, even with like a red card. They defended well, got a 2 0 win. Yeah. So that's boring. But but yeah, let us know. Chelsea are so bad. Chelsea are awful. It's not Shout out Villa. So yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> but like you said, more questions than answers at the moment. Hopefully, time will tell. Guys, if you're not already involved, get involved in our Gabriel Martinelli shirt giveaway. He's poor been guy, injured. Yeah, poor he guy. missed this week's London and North London Derby. He would have bagged as well. He probably would have. Get involved. Very, very easy to do. So follow us and AFTV on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and you're in. That is literally it. We're just waiting for him to bag a Premier League goal. It's coming. Trust me. So yeah, don't miss out. Make sure you get all your friends and family involved in that as well. If you have enjoyed, do subscribe. Go check out our last podcast with uh, Jamie Boyce. Jamie Talks. Copper 90 producer. DR Sports, Donny, he's on everything. Yep. Check him out, it's a good episode. We've got some very exciting content coming out over the next couple of weeks as well. So yeah. keep your eyes peeled for that. Thank you to all the new subscribers. Subscribe if you're not subscribed. Shout out to all the new subs. 1K by Christmas, maybe? And Ros will wear a Tottenham shirt. I won't. For a podcast. <coughs> but I'll be gassed about it. Thank you guys for watching. It's been Board Draw, episode number 64. And it's live. Let's go.